Welcome to episode 11 of the Busy Fit Podcast. If you missed episode 10, uh, we had a really interesting conversation with uh, Emily Kaylee and Alex Moses. They went over how to fuel throughout the menstrual cycles. Uh, and today we have a really exciting uh, conversation with Alyssa Honingford. Did I say that correctly? Honingford, yeah. It's, Honingford. Yeah, okay. it's hard to say. All right. That was my that was my best attempt. I'll try my best later in the call. Uh, Alyssa went to Ashland University with me back in the day and graduated in 2015 uh, with a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. She's been a registered nurse for almost nine years. Her career began on a stroke unit. However, over the last seven years, she has worked in various ICUs. The Neuro ICU is her current unit and holds a special place in her heart due to her dad passing away from complications of a rare neurological condition. Fitness has always been a part of her life since a young age, participating in a myriad of sports from soccer, taekwondo. She's a third degree black belt, which is pretty sweet. Track and rugby. Nursing has brought an eye-opening sense when it comes to fitness and nutrition, often taking care of patients who have neglected fitness and proper nutrition, who are now in the hospital dealing with unfortunate consequences of their actions or inactions. This has made her prioritize health, fitness, and nutrition, but also recognizing that you don't have to navigate the journey alone and figure it all out for yourself. Thanks for joining us, Alyssa. Yeah, thanks for having me. This topic, which obviously both of us are really passionate about, the the reason that Alyssa's on the call with us is I wrote a post and it was basically about how the answer for people's health isn't always just a pill. And something I'm really passionate about and Alyssa responded pretty quickly and basically was like, hey, like just a reminder, don't put the blame on doctors. And there's like so many things that go into this. And I was really excited because I truly believe that as well. You know, you look at like nurses, nurse practitioners, um, physician assistants, physicians, and they don't get into that industry just to like sell a pill. They get into it because they care about people and they want to help people and, and ultimately serve the people that they impact on a day-to-day basis. And so when I saw Alyssa was passionate about this, I was super excited to get her uh, on the podcast so we can talk about this. Uh, and so before we, I guess, dive into kind of the, the first question here, um, and we'll get into kind of some specifics, but Alyssa, just tell us a little bit about like what made you even comment on that post? Like what was kind of your thought process and why are you so passionate about it to start with? There have been so many posts I've seen lately that are just like, doctors just want to push pills on you. They don't want to teach you how to be better. And this one, because like, I know that we would have a good dialogue with it. I was like, but it's not all them. It's not all them. It's the majority of the work has to be on you. And you have to realize that. Um, And everyone just wants to play the blame game and put, put the blame on someone else other than themselves. I've seen so many of them lately that I was just like, hold on, (laughs) back up. Let's talk about this. Definitely something common that you see, especially right now, you know, you have championship football season, people are paying, you know, billions of dollars for ads and they're getting like a minute where they're, they're talking about these things. So it's a common subject right now. So uh, I guess we'll kind of dive into it. So can you share some examples from your experience where patients have like opted for medication over lifestyle changes and kind of just the outcomes of those choices? I remember one specific incident of um, a man who was admitted to my unit. So the neuro ICU, he had 
a large stroke, a life-changing stroke that was affecting, you know, his speech, um, his ability to swallow and eat food, stuff like that. And his sweet little wife brought in this huge box of just supplements. And I was like, what? I, I like literally took a picture of it because it was so remarkable. It was this huge box of all these vitamins and like all this stuff. Not that vitamins are bad, but like your your vitamins aren't going to always fix your blood pressure. You're, you know, he was suffering the consequences of trying to take fifth, literally over 50 vitamins a day instead of taking the time to take care of himself and not have high blood pressure and things like that, that would have potentially stopped his stroke from happening. I think that's interesting that you brought up. He brought in like, you know, 50 different supplements. It it was remarkable. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess that's diving a little bit further into that. I am curious your take on, cause you, you do hear like, you know, people have, you know, something start going on, whether it be like you said, high blood pressure or even, you know, weight loss in general, there's supplements for supplements or medications for almost everything. Now, why do you feel like people opt for that and not going the exercise or nutrition or lifestyle changes route? Cause it's easy. People don't want to put in the work. They just want to take the pill and say, oh, I lost 30 pounds, just like the the big Ozempic thing or whatever it is right now. It's like, oh, I'm losing 30 pounds a month with this shot. And I'm like, well, how long is that going to last you? Because you're not learning to build healthy habits by just taking this shot. Like you're not learning about nutrition. You're not learning about exercise. You're not even trying. You don't want to do those things maybe. And this is just the easy way out. I appreciate you putting it so, so bluntly, because that you know definitely can be the case. And from our perspective, even when we talk with like potential clients, a lot of times people say like, well, I'm going to try the shot first, or I'm going to try the medication first. And it's like, that's, that should be your last resort, not your first resort. Face to face with, with patients on a regular basis. How do you navigate conversations with patients who are resistant to starting with diet and exercise versus the alternatives or medication? It can be really hard, especially with the vast population that we have in our unit. We can have anyone from 18 years old up to, we've had over 104 year old patient. So you're coming from all walks of life with these people and it can be really hard. You say your piece, but at the end of the day, um, it really has to be up to them. Like there's There's nothing that I'm going to be able to convince you. You have to see it in yourself. Like sometimes there's a little birdie in your ear that like gives you that little idea and you're like, oh, well, that sounds like something I can do or, oh, that's not something I can do. So it's, it's really hard, um, especially depending on the patient, the situation, their age, like what 104 year old is going to be like, yep, I'm going to start doing cardio every day. (laughs) So it, it, it's challenging. You're also set within certain parameters too. Like you can only take that conversation so far. Um, so you take it as far as you're, you know, really able to within that role. Um, but I am curious, like if you were able to, you know, talk to that, that patient and you take it all the way up to within what you're able to say, and then you were able to be the family member that's whispering in the ear and talking to them afterwards, like how would you approach that conversation? Because I know, we even have clients who they're trying to do this for their family members and they have trouble navigating that conversation in a way because it can definitely be, you know, a hot or sensitive subject. I'll say I kind of 
I'm navigating that with my mom too. So that's something that's like close to me as well. Cause it's like, she kind of has a lot of health issues from not taking care of herself. And that can be so frustrating as her daughter, like watching her just like sink her health into the ground. And it's like, but why? Like you don't have to be on five medications the rest of your life. Like if you would just make a couple of changes and not even like big changes, like go for some walks or ride your bike. And those changes can snowball. So it it's really challenging because like I said earlier, it you can you can be that little birdie in their ear, but at the end of the day, it's up to them to want to make that change. Um, and I think sometimes like giving them something to look forward to or something that it's like, oh hey, you could do this if you stop smoking. Like you could go on vacation if you stop smoking. Um, do you want to be able to run around with your grandkids? So you got to stop smoking and you got to have a healthier lifestyle. So I think some things like that are kind of more like, oh yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm not going to let you drive my kid around in a car if you're smoking. So like all of these things add up to ultimately being able to spend time with grandchildren or, or just being able to go on vacation because you stop smoking or you don't have to pay as much for medications out of pocket, things like that. Um, so just kind of having like a goal in mind can sometimes I feel like be really helpful. I mean, I've had a lot of those conversations personally as well, and it can be frustrating because, you know, you can have that conversation over and over and over again, but ultimately that person has to take ownership in, in their life and their decisions and what they want to get from it. And I think people get into thinking that, you know, that path of, you know, improving your health and working on exercise and nutrition, like it's got to be really hard. Like it's got to be hard. But in the reality is like, yes, that is a type of hard, but it's not as hard as what you're doing right now. Like walking up the stairs and being out of breath or not being able to get off the couch or, you know, not being able to do just normal activities of daily living because of your health. It's, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do. And so the hard that you're actually making progress with leads to a better life. And I think that's a hard concept for people to grasp. Yeah. You have to pick your hard. So in your opinion, what factors do you feel like contribute to that preference for the quick fixes versus over like those long-term lifestyle changes? Historically for that person, do they usually choose the easy way out? Um, also like learn behaviors. So like, what have you been taught by your family? Have, has nutrition and exercise been something that's been instilled in you as a, as a kid and you grew up with that or no. Um, and also just like seeing all of these advertisements on TV, they're targeting people and they, they do it for a reason. They're like, Oh, Hey, if I take this medication, I can lose 30 pounds a month. So I'm going to go talk to my doctor about it. It's not necessarily like the doctors being like, hey, you should try this. It's, oh, I saw this on TV. So I want you to prescribe me it so I can try it. Yeah. And that brings up something really interesting too, because, you know, we talked about this a little bit as far as like championship, you know, college football season and, and the NFL and all of that. And they're paying millions and billions of dollars for these ads. And, you know, and, and so someone sees that they're in a state where they're probably sitting there like, eating Doritos and wings. And, and so like, oh yeah, I got to do something about this. What's your perspective? Like, do you feel like that those like advertisements or that thing should be allowed? Like to me, I think there's to be some sort of regulation around it, around it, but I'm, I'm very curious your take 
because that's a that's a slippery slope, right? It's a terribly slippery slope. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I have had patients be like, well, I saw this ad on TV. Why can't they just put me on this? It's like, well, you don't know anything about this drug. Um, maybe it interacts with your other medications or it's not even a good option for like what you have going on. Um, or, oh, I saw these adverse effects that happen with this medication. It's like every medication has adverse effects, unfortunately. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. And I think that it scares people sometimes too. Um, I definitely think there should be more regulation with it. I don't think that people who don't have any medical knowledge should be the ones picking out their medications because as they're watching the Super Bowl, like writing them down, like, oh, I'm going to ask my doctor about this and this and this. Your your doctor goes to school for so many years or your nurse practitioner or your PA, whoever's taking care of you to be able to prescribe you medications that are right for you and not because the TV said so. I think that when you see someone see it on TV and then they're all of a sudden like the expert on that, that drug, or they're looking up, you know, we all have bias, right? Oh, like yeah. we do something <laughs> and like, I see, I see new golf clubs and I like convince myself those are the best golf clubs for myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's the same thing with medications. Like you get, this is my solution. This is my solution. Then you do the research down that path. And then all of a sudden, when you're having that conversation with that medical professional, you're already having that biased opinion. So someone tells you you're wrong and they're trying to tell you as lightly as possible, like you're still going to be a little resistant to it. So that makes it tough. For sure. And, and I think I'm curious, this perspective from you as well, we talked about the adverse effects and talked about how long that list is. And it goes on for 20, 30 seconds, right? How do those compare to the adverse effects of working on exercise, working on nutrition, working on lifestyle changes? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess really you wouldn't have those adverse effects from medications if you would just do the lifestyle change. I mean, lifestyle changes that I'm thinking about are nutrition and exercise, things like that. Your adverse effects from that are what? Being healthier, being more in shape, being more fit, have better cardiovascular fitness, having more muscle mass. You decrease your risk for osteoporosis, things like that as you get older. And then you have your other terrible adverse effects of syncope, vomiting, diarrhea, like who, the list goes on for, for years with those. And it's like, that sounds awful. Why can't like, it's just, it's an obvious choice when you put them side by side like that. People don't think about the fact that one thing that's supposed to cure a bad thing creates these other bad things versus something that cures a bad thing and only creates good things, right? How do you see the role of pharmaceutical companies impacting patient care and treatment decisions? I mean, that's kind of like what we talked about earlier too, is we could talk about big pharma for over two hours straight and just be talking in circles because it's just such a hot mess. But um, I, like I said earlier, they target people because they want to sell their drug. Um, if any, if you guys haven't watched Painkiller on Netflix, it is so eye-opening. It has kind of to do with pharmaceutical companies and they don't have your best interests in heart, uh, at heart, I should say. Um, your doctor does. Okay, so what is painkillers? Is that like a drama? It's reenacted, but it's based on a true story about how Oxycontin came to be. Um, 
and that they were like, oh, this is the miracle drug. You're never going to be in pain again. You're not going to get addicted to it. Um, and doctors were getting really big kickbacks for prescribing the, their patients Oxycontin when Big Pharma, the company behind them, knew that people were dying from it, from overdoses. People were getting addicted to it. Um, and it was essentially like the Kickstarter to the big opioid epidemic that we have in this country. Um, and just to see that they don't care about you. Bottom line is making a dollar off of you. So it was it was very eye-opening, especially as a nurse. Like I do have to give pain medications and it is necessary sometimes, but you don't I don't see the effects long term that people can have from constantly taking them. I actually I should say I can because we definitely have um opioid seeking patients and it's 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 tough to see and it's really hard to work with those people, not to like I'm not judging them, but they kind of just have tunnel vision. They want their Dilaudid, their morphine, their fentanyl, whatever, and then they want to be on their way. That has to be such a hard role for you to play as well, because you're thinking about their not just what they need in the moment, you're also thinking about their long term health. Yeah. That that's way pretty heavy on you. Yeah, it can. I, at the end of the day, I I try and explain to them my reasoning behind things. I try and put people on like a schedule, a rotation of medications. Like, let's try your Tylenol first. And then if that doesn't work, let's try your oxycodone. If that doesn't work, then we'll try your IV stuff because you can't go home on IV pain medications. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to help you, um, but that's not the help you want. So it's it's hard. Well, that's really cool that you set that boundary too, because I think it sounds like there's only so far you're willing to go within what you believe is right as well. Uh, but what are some common misconceptions about doctors and healthcare professionals in regards to prescri prescribing medication versus advocating for those lifestyle changes? Yeah. The misconception, again, is that doctors just want to push pills on you. Um, but like I said, there are times where you do need medication to help prevent something more serious from happening. But they also at least in my experience, they have tried to educate and say, what is your, what does your diet look like? What does your exercise look like? I think that doctors do their best to try and advocate for you and explain, you know, that lifestyle changes, they're hard, they're difficult, they're challenging, but in the long run, you're not going to need that blood pressure medication. If you make these changes, you're not going to need that cholesterol pill. If you make these changes, if you eat a healthier diet, but people don't always want to listen. They just want, like I've said, they just want the quick fix. What are some challenges healthcare professionals face in advocating for lifestyle changes over medication in a system that may prioritize quick fixes? It's so frustrating knowing what we should be doing um, and knowing that we can tell our patients these things. Um, but just knowing that there are other quick fix options, we can again, with the stinking Ozempic, or I'm going to take this. I don't, I don't know. My TV said this is a good drug. Um, it, people kind of get this tunnel vision or like kind of how we talked about earlier that they have this one track mind and they're like, this is it. That's it for me. So trying to convince people to make a change that's more mentally challenging is a really big hurdle to overcome. Um, and a lot of people, at least when they see me, they're not 
necessarily ready to make that change. Some are, <laughs> but they get scared coming to see me and sounds bad, but it's like, well, at least something scared you into changing your lifestyle so that you don't have to come see me again. How do you personally stay motivated and passionate about promoting health and wellness and your role as a nurse? So just seeing what happens if you don't. I mean, seeing my patients having devastating brain injuries, strokes, things like that, that it's like your whole independence is taken from you because you didn't necessarily, not this isn't everybody. This is not everybody has a stroke because they don't care about themselves. Um, But everything is stripped from you. And it's kind of these building blocks leading up to this big event where it's like, if we could have just made some little changes instead of building up to this big event, we would, we would be okay. Um, And I think just for my health, like, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to my, my loved ones. I want to be able to be as independent for as long as I can to be able to continue running half marathons, marathons, as long as I can. Um, And just knowing that I'm setting myself up for success way later down the road by making those changes and doing those things now so that it becomes, it's just habitual after a certain point. It's like, oh, I got to go for my run and then I got to strength train and I'm going to stretch and then I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) So all of those little things snowball and they add up and it really makes a difference over time. And I think that's something that people get, they're not seeing results immediately. And that can be really off-putting to people. And they're like, well, I'm putting in all this hard work So why am I not seeing results? And it's like, you don't understand that these little things, you might not be seeing it, but it's, it's adding up. I think that's something that's interesting because they take a medication and they can see a result fairly quickly versus, and so they get that instant gratification, like, yeah, it's happening now versus health, like exercise, nutrition, lifestyle changes. That stuff takes time, you know? And you're right, it has a cumulative effect as well, where it's like, you may not notice a difference from weeks one through six, and then you have weeks six through 12, and all of a sudden you start to see progress. The problem is most people give up in that first six weeks, and it's like, let's just build some wins, some small wins, and that you actually get to see the bigger stuff happen. So, So we obviously have people listening to this podcast. Some may or may not have already started to work on their health, and they may be on the edge of teetering of, okay, like is this something I should actually do or not? What would you say to that person? Absolutely. Um, Just making small changes every day sets you up for success. Um, By just starting, just start now. You don't have to wait for Monday or the new year or next month or whatever. Just start now. Um, Go for a walk. Go ride your bike. Go lift some weights. Or you don't even have to lift weights. You can do some body weights to find plenty of resources in plenty of places that can help to guide you. And you don't have to do it alone. You can find a coach to help you navigate through some of those challenges. Um, Maybe you're getting bored with exercises or you literally don't even know where to begin. There's great coaches out there who can help you with that. And I promise that it's worth it. Um, your, Your couple years down the road, you will thank you for starting now. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super appreciative of it. And it was a great conversation. 
thank you for taking the time. And for those listening, thank you so much for tuning in and stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you.